0: We are thinking together about Catalyst. Catalyst is our focus on thinking about surprising the world. The introduction, kind of the Catalyst, has been that we're thinking about what difference we can make in the world around us, how we can bring about um, the impact on our communities around us and we are very involved in our communities around us through this church but we felt like God was wanting us to be a catalyst not only in our cities at large but even in our neighborhoods and where we are that we would be a catalyst for making a difference for the kingdom of God not only as a group but individually as God would work through us The definition of catalyst is a person or a group whose life, talk, enthusiasm, convictions, and energy cause others to be transformed. Now, obviously, we recognize we can't bring any transformation, but God wants to use us. You know, if God's going to make a difference in some, somebody's life that he's brought into my life, he wants to use us to be that catalyst for transformation. Jesus Christ is the true catalyst for the transformed life. He, though, is our mission. We talked about mission. We looked at these mission statements uh, that we had on the wall here. I encourage you to learn uh, what this church is about and what is our mission statement. And we looked and learned Uh, that together. We've talked about uh, practical steps uh, that we could take, practical steps that we could be involved in to help us live that out. Uh, I mentioned to you, about attending uh, every week. Uh, That was one of our first steps as you're here for this whole fall for this series. I ask you to think about praying about who you're inviting to church. Uh, Did you notice that we met some people, talked about people this morning that brought some of these different people? I try to remind you of that. They didn't just show up. Once in a while, we have somebody that just kind of sees our sign or turns in our parking lot, but most of the time, they knew somebody like you. And they were talking to somebody, and I got invited. And you saw some of that today. Who are you inviting? Who are you seeking to be a catalyst to try to to bring them to church? Maybe one of these days somebody like that will be standing here joining our church because of your prayers and your involvement in their life. We're embracing our mission. We're considering today our focus is on the art of neighboring and knowing our neighbors. Um, Some other opportunities we've given you is uh, out on this wall as you walk down the hallway, there are some on-ramps, we've called them, some nonprofits in our county that you can be a part of. You can pull off an, a little sticker there and be able to uh, call them, and we're encouraging you to take some initiative and maybe be involved with a nonprofit. Like, you don't have to serve there forever, but you can go there and learn about that and see if you can make a difference there. Uh, Alabaster Offering was one of our responses for Catalyst, and we did that to This morning where we're supporting uh, churches without buildings and helping uh, other church, other churches across the nation and across the world to be able to have buildings and facilities. Uh, in your bulletin, you'll notice that we have a list of items for our non-food drive. What we're doing is that during October, we are collecting items that we can offer to some, many of our nonprofits to help them with items that they can't get from the clients or people that they're, they're involved with can't get through a pantry or through a link card or some kind of food stamps. So we made a list of things people can't get through that and we're going to try to provide many of those items. You'll see white items toilet paper, hygiene things like that and we encourage you to be creative about that. Um, So we're trying to kind of fit a specific need that can be happening all over our county. Uh, In the days ahead after Sunday you will see uh, tables lining the hallway down there and you can bring your things uh, all through throughout the month, and then we'll deliver all those things to those nonprofits. Uh, Operation Christmas Child is an opportunity to respond. You'll be able to see those boxes. There'll be a whole stack of them in the foyer probably in a couple of weeks. Uh, Turkey giveaway is on November 17th. It's one of our favorite days. We give away turkey dinners door to door. Uh, We usually have 100-plus volunteers, so I invite you to mark your calendar and get your jacket. Uh, Usually a little cold that day, but uh, we've delivered in the snow. We delivered in, in a hot day. We, whatever it is, we're going to be delivering that day. So I encourage you to be a part of that, November the 17th, that Saturday morning. And then the All Church Thanksgiving dinner is on Sunday evening, uh, November the 18th. You'll be hearing more uh, about that. So, what is the art of neighboring? Uh, when Jesus was asked to sum up everything in one command, he said, Love God with everything you got. He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, that's, that's everything we are. It's a part of our mission statement. Love God. But then he says, to love God and. Um, always love it when, God, when Christ says and. You know, He didn't just say, I want you to have affection for God. I want you to feel God. I want you to love him. I want you to go to church He said, and love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. You know, sometimes we've taken that idea, a simple idea, and made it kind of into a nice Christian saying or bumper sticker or a way, you know, what if Jesus really meant for you to put into practice loving your neighbors? They wasn't just talking about generally. You know, sometimes we noticed as we were preparing for all this, we're going to do three weeks together here. Um, we noticed that a lot of people like to say, well, he wasn't really talking about your neighbor. You know, he's just talking about kind of loving people in general. Well, how can you love anybody if you don't love your neighbor? Surely he included those people that live around you. And that neighborhood uh, that you're a part of, uh, I don't think there's any accident that you live in the neighborhood you live in. Amen? I'm sure God had something to do with how you got there and how you, the reason that you, li- you are living there. So we're thinking about how can we be a catalyst for change? What if the solutions to our problems in our communities and around us is neighboring, Caring about our neighbors, being an influence on them. In, in the book, The Art of Neighboring, they said the solutions to the problems in our neighborhoods aren't ultimately found in the government, police, schools, or just getting people into church. The solution lies within us. It's within our power to become good neighbors. Would you say good neighbors? good neighbors to become good neighbors to care for the people around us and to be cared for by the people around us there really is a different way to live and we are finding that it's actually the best way to live so we can see what jesus is asking of us he is asking us to think about getting out of the box you remember the box we spent three weeks preaching together Um, We're doing it again. We're connecting back to that that idea. Remember, being out of the box was not allowing yourself to kind of look down on those others around you or think that, well, there's something wrong with them. I I don't really think I want to be close to them. Maybe, you know, maybe they they sometimes, you know, their dog comes over into my yard or, you know, or something worse than that, which, uh, you know, we sort of get these mindsets, don't we? that, you know, maybe maybe we don't want to reach out to those that are around. We are living, we want to live out of the box where our hearts are open and we realize that there are people just like us. They have needs just like us. They want to belong. They want to have friends. They're interested in uh, being cared for as well as caring uh, for others. But most of them are not coming over to your door. So we have to go. We have to be the ones to make a difference. So God is speaking to us about what it means to be a neighbor.
1: So how do I get to know my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Uh, Picture your street and the person who lives next door to you is coming home from work and they push the button and the door goes up and they drive in and they push the button and the door goes down. And that was your interaction with your neighbor that day, right? Right. The automatic garage door opener is one of the worst inventions for isolation um, that's ever been invented. Uh, Also, (coughs) excuse me, uh, backyard front yard. Think about that. Uh, We just put a pool in this summer. It's awesome, but it's in our backyard. We didn't put it in our front yard. We didn't put it on our side yard. Uh, We put a deck around it. There's a gate, all that kind of stuff, but it's all in the backyard. I have a very pretty bench that sits on my front porch. I don't sit on my bench. There's pretty fall uh, pillows on it right now and mums, but I don't ever sit out there. How's anybody going to see me? Because I'm in my backyard, right? Uh, Growing up, I remember, uh, of course, my, my folks had a big old lot, but we were all over the place. We were around that house over and over and over again because the front yard is where other people can see you. So what do we do if all we know somebody is that their garage door goes up and down? Uh, you do that too, don't you? When you pull in and you hit the button and the garage door comes down and I go in the house and that's it. Every once in a while, I'll go out my front porch and check my mail. That's about as involved as I get. Okay, so we got to do better, right? And so we got to figure out who are uh, these folks living next to us. So there's a new thing that I like to refer to as the uh, suburban map legend. Okay, so let's look at a few of these. This helps us to understand Who lives in our neighborhood, right? So here's a suburban map legend. Now, it actually might be a minivan map legend. But anyway, uh, that was a good car joke if you didn't get it. That was a good one. All right. Uh, The dad likes basketball. Okay? So we know that right off the bat. The mother likes to shop and likes her cell phone. The little girl, of course, is the princess of the house. Uh, The little boy likes to play soccer. They have a new baby, and they have a dog and a cat. All right, That's what I know so far about this family. So it's kind of a map legend for me. All right, The next one, these people didn't have children. <laughs> but they got some money. <laughs> that one cracks me up. So they made a choice, and so they want people to understand this is the choice we made. And then we have the bitter family. And they just don't care anything about your stinking stick family. In fact, they love Star Wars, but that's all. Uh, You've also seen uh, maybe uh, bumper stickers. Uh, My kid is on the honor roll at such and such a school. And then another person pulls up behind them and says, my kid beat up your honor student. You know, so so it's all very friendly, isn't it? Uh, So we got to understand a little bit more about who are these people living around us. Now, we've given you this. Uh, it was been in the bulletin the last two weeks. It'll be in the bulletin again the week before we do these neighboring nights. So it'll be in on the 14th for the 21st. October 21st is the next neighboring night. It'll be in October 28th for November 4th, which is the third neighboring night. Um, the book that we've been studying called The Art of Neighboring, uh, this is kind of where we got this idea. They call this paper The Chart of Shame. Okay, we call it a block map. But the chart of shame, the reason they call it that is, uh, you know, if you've been trying to fill this out, letter A is the names of the people that live around you. They surveyed people who were trying to do this, and they found that only 10% of the people working on a block map were able to put all eight houses' names. Only 10% were able to do it. Chart of shame. Uh, Letter B is, what can I know about somebody that involves more than me just standing on their driveway, or standing on my driveway looking at them? So uh, it's more than what color car they drive, or how many kids they have, or if they like yellow flowers on their front porch. It's got to be more than that. Only 3% of people could fill out letter B on this. And letter C is something even deeper still. What maybe are this person's hopes or dreams? Uh, How long have they been married, and how is that going? Um, what's going on with their kids and how maybe could we be praying for them. Letter C, only 1% of people could fill out. So I will tell you, um, we've been working on ours. Do you know why? Because I work here. (laughs) That's how committed I am to this, Pastor. (laughs) Because when we come up with these kind of ideas, we look at each other and say, if we're going to ask everybody else to do this, we got to do this. So this, the first time I sat down with it, was most definitely the chart of shame, because I did not do a very good job on it. I will tell you because of last week, it's much better. I'll tell you a little more about that in a few minutes.
0: So Jesus gives us this invitation, Uh, the scripture encourages us about understanding what he has asked us to do. So he says, uh, he has this conversation uh, with a lawyer. Last week we looked at Matthew 22 where he offers this teaching and now we see somebody else repeating it. Notice in Luke 10, 25, on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it, Jesus asked. He answered, this is the lawyer saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you have answered correctly. You learned the mission statement. You know what what the commands are. And then Jesus replied, do this and you will live. Love God with everything and love your neighbor. Do that and you will really be uh, living. So he's encouraging us. He's got this invitation uh, for every one of us to respond, uh, a call uh, for us to be a part of reaching out and loving our neighbor. Paul says in Galatians 5.14, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. What's the command? Love your neighbor as yourself. I left the whole line blank so you could write that in. Love your neighbor as yourself. Say it out loud. Ready? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's his encouragement to us. Does he really mean that? Does he really desire us? He's wanting us to understand and to learn what he has to say. The scripture continues.
1: Love your neighbor as yourself. So picking up. Luke 10, verse 29, the parable of the Good Samaritan. But he wanted to justify himself. Remember, that's the expert of the law, so we kind of flash back to the original question he asked. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for the extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So looking at verse 29 there, the expert of the law, a lawyer Uh, asks these questions, gets the answer, so he asks the next question, and it's exactly what you and I would have asked. Where's the loophole? How do I get by without doing this, but I'm not blameworthy while I get by with it? What exactly can I do to be just enough, but not too much that I'm uncomfortable? It's exactly how I would have reacted. It's probably how a lot of us would have reacted. Um, One of the keys to this particular story is, the Jews that he was speaking to, that Jesus was sharing the story with, were excellent next-door neighbors. They were great because the people who lived next door were probably their family, but they were other Jews. And so they took great care of Jerusalem, who was right next door to them. What they didn't do so great was Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Fast forward to 2018, we're kind of the opposite of that. We see the big hole and we say, okay, As an entirety, the world is our neighbor, and so we're going to help them. We're going to gather food. We're going to work at nonprofits. We're going to put money into benevolence fund. We're going to help people. It'll be great. What we fall short on is, how's our next-door neighbor? So Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth are looking pretty decent. But how's Jerusalem? How's that going? Right next door. So how can we become a better neighbor right next door?
0: So Jesus tells us about this man who's on a road, seemed like a dangerous road. He's a Jewish traveler, and he was uh, attacked by uh, a a group of robbers. Uh, He was not only robbed, but he's beaten, brutalized, left bloody, uh, torn clothing, laying, dying on the the side of the road. I mean, what what would you do? What would you do if you saw
1: that? Pastor, That reminds me of a story like in KidZone. So a teacher is teaching her little bitty kids, and she's sharing the story of the Good Samaritan. So she's going through all of it. Oh, she's just, she's sharing the story, going real deep. He was bloody. He was on the side. There was dirt in all of his wounds. He didn't have any Band-Aids. It was terrible. They even stripped him. There's just on and on, and all the kids are just, ugh, gross, gross, gross. And so at the end, she says, what would you do? What would you have done? And so it's silence, crickets, because all those kids are just grossed out at the story from the Bible, until one little girl speaks up and she says, I think I'd throw up.
0: (laughs) That might be us, right? Yeah. Well, Jesus gives us some example of, of what exactly happened. He says, first of all, there was a priest. Uh, This priest was probably a priest that worked in the temple, uh, probably on rotation. Um, Many times there would be groups of priests that would live in Jericho and would make their way up to Jerusalem. This scripture says he was going down, so he's probably coming back from working uh, his rotation in the temple. And he encounters this man. He's not expecting to see him there laying laying beaten along the side uh, of the road. And the scripture says that he evaluated the situation and passed along on the other side. Now, we don't know why. Uh, Jesus doesn't give any judgment on him. He just says he passed on the other side. Maybe he didn't want to be contaminated. I think there were rules about um, priests being able to serve in the temple if they had touched a dead body or had gotten this blood on, on them. You know, it reminds us that helping other people can be difficult can be dangerous. It can uh, create situations for uh, for us uh, when we're trying to help others. Maybe he thought somebody else more qualified will happen or thought, well, I'm a priest. I'm not a paramedic. And so he made his way along. Uh, The second guy Jesus tells us about is uh, a Levite. One that wasn't a priest, but he served in the temple, was a was a worker and helped there. Uh, he didn't respond properly either. He went along on the other side. Maybe he was fearful for his own safety. Wondered if those same attackers were still in the vicinity there. Uh, but he he didn't stop. And most likely, he could have afforded to stop. Priests and Levites would have been a little bit wealthier in that in that time and been able to help others. But we don't, we don't recognize that these guys were bad men. They just were too busy. They were too busy to help. They were busy working for God, but too busy to care like God. They were looking at the problem around them. They saw it, but they didn't respond to it. They didn't do it. You know, for us, uh, if you're going to help people, there might be problems, interruptions, um, nuisances, Um, might keep you from getting everything done you wanted. We recognize that God wants us to help others. Um, This audience, I'm sure, was pretty excited. They were connecting to the story Jesus is telling them. I wonder if they even thought we know how to ends. You know, he's got these two preacher types. You know, it's going to be a layman. You know, it's going to be some layman that's coming along and he's going to help. So Jesus shocks them when he says, along comes a Samaritan. A Samaritan, well, he hits a raw nerve, creates um, concern right there. this Samaritan uh, Samaritans were not liked by the Jewish people. they were a mixed race, they were descendants of people and nations that had come against them, that had brought them into captivity. They were hated by the Jews. The Jews were like we 're pure blood, but we don 't really like nah, these these Samaritans they 're sort of like. Terrorist. We don't want to have anything to do with them. So the modern day equivalent would be like a terrorist. The good Samaritan. You know they would never. To, uh, the Jewish people would never say anything like the good Samaritan. There would be no such thing as a good Samaritan. The way that we say it. they. They saw them. So Jesus gets their attention uh, by bringing, uh, bringing him up. And what does he do? We see this Samaritan and recognize that he takes care of this man. He puts him on his own donkey. He took pity on him. Jesus asked the man the question, who was who is the one that was the neighbor? Notice the, the lawyer can't even say the Samaritan. He says, the one who showed mercy on him. I'm sure with a little satire in his voice. I mean, here he is. He's being the neighbor. The Samaritan saw the same thing that the priest and the Levite did, but he felt something different, Right? He felt something in his heart. He felt something that moved him uh, toward action. He allowed his feelings to lead him to take action. He bandaged up the man's wounds. He cleansed the wounds. He soothed the pain. He put him on his donkey, and he took courage. Don't you think it took a lot of courage to show up, a Samaritan with a Jew at a, at a medical facility there? I'm sure they would have thought, what would you do, beat him up yourself? What do you do? Take his money? No, but he took courage and brought him there. And uh, he says, when I return, I'll reimburse everything necessary to help and to take care uh, of this man. You know, we see this moment where Jesus is saying, here's the genuine neighbor. The one that shows what it means to be a neighbor. And then Jesus' final words. He says, go and do likewise. That's the blank right there. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Would you say that? Go and do likewise. So, that's what I did. Uh, I'm with Cheryl. You know, I can't ask you to do all this stuff, so I had to go and do it. Um, so I had one of these pieces of paper right there. I think uh, we scanned it in so you could see it on, on the front there. Um, mine looks a lot better today than it did the first day. Um, when I first started doing this, um, I began to ask him, do you know such and such in this one? And she'd say, I think they have that black dog. I said, <laughs> What does that help? You know, I'm, she's walking the dogs, and she sees this one and that one. And so uh, we knew a few. We knew that um, Earlene Lucas, who attends here, she lives in this house right here. We're right in the middle, and this is Earlene's house. So I was really happy. I thought, okay, I know Earlene. And uh, so uh, Earlene and Kim and I decided that we would partner in this, in this idea. And so we've been working together uh, to do that. We put together a little basket with some apples and a little a little cloth kind of fall looking thing, a little scarecrow and an invitation to come to our house. We decided we probably need to go invite them if they're going to really come. You know, so we, uh, we went to their house. Oh, it's amazing. Um, In just a few moments, we were standing in Randy's backyard uh, we knocked on the door, the garage doors open, nobody came to the door. Kim said, let's go in the backyard. And I went, really? Uh, so yeah, we're going in the backyard. And so here she goes and she's got the gift, you know, and we're going around. there. And so we're standing in this guy's backyard and I knew him, I knew his name. I waved to him a bunch of times, knew a little bit about him, but I hadn't talked to him in a long time. And, uh, so we're standing in his backyard. You know, he's the guy that cuts his grass like for every fourth day. You know, like that. I mean, he just keeps that thing. It's immaculate. It's beautiful. And so, listen to this. Within about 40 seconds, how are you doing? This is what we're doing. And uh, he said, well, uh, my wife uh, has had breast cancer. 40 seconds. We're talking about her double mastectomy and all the problems that that they've been going through. And I felt, you know, I felt terrible because I felt like, you know, I'm not really sure they have a church wasn't really sure what kind of support they had. Kim is, like, devastated uh, just hearing that. She just had a little scare with mammogram and all that, so she's just thinking about all that. And, man, it just moved us. Um, but it just made it so clear how quickly we moved to somebody that has a need like that and that we didn't even know about it. We went, um, we went down and knocked on the door, and Jim comes to the door. His wife's on the phone. Like, we hand him this gift, and he didn't know what to do. He's like... What is happening? You know, you're standing on our front porch and you just gave me a gift and he's holding it and he didn't say anything and his wife comes and does all the talking, you know, so she's tell, talking about all this and we're telling them what we're doing and clearly they were, they were like, nobody does this. Nobody's been on our porch. Uh, we're so happy. We'll come. Uh, when is it? <laughs> That's great. I love that they committed before they even know when it was. So they were going they're gonna be there. They sent us a thank you note, you know, that uh, because they need to get to know their neighbors as well. Then we, uh, we're right next door. Uh, walked over there and uh, I'd seen Dave and I knew Dave and saw him at the block party and we talked together a little bit. They got dogs. They walked the dogs as well. And we waved to each other. And so I knew Dave and knew his name, never seen his wife before. Uh, We walked in there, honestly, within about one minute, we're standing inside their house, telling them what we're going to do. And this lady gets up off the, the couch. It's her birthday, first of all. So we're telling her happy birthday. And then she said, you know, I have no friends. No friends. You know what I did? I walked over there and I said, my name is Lloyd Brock. I live in that house right there. This is my wife, Kim, and we're going to be friends. You can call us your friends. That's what you need to do, right? That's what people, people aren't just crazy, whatever. They are people that are in need just like You they need friends. This woman drives to Canton. She's a physical therapist. She knows those people that she works with. She drives there every day, goes in, comes and pulls in her garage and knows nobody in Pekin. She hasn't lived there very long, but we're going to get busy about that because we need to, we need to get involved in neighboring.
1: So what could we do to become friends? How can we all be a catalyst in our neighborhood? Number one, you ready? This is earth shattering. The fill in the blank is do something, right? Do something to be a better neighbor. It's pretty deep, isn't it? Do something. Pay attention. Watch what's happening. Um, If you have, uh, you made dinner and there's too much and your kids are looking at you or your husband's looking at you on day three of leftovers saying, I can't eat this again. I cannot eat this again. (laughs) Buy some. I went to Walmart, and in the paper aisle, there are little to-go containers. I bought a bunch of those because why don't I split those up? We have several single ladies that live on our block. Why not take them some? I took them apple crisp this last week. I had several people stop me in the, uh, as I was coming in um, yesterday, and they said, hey, that apple crisp was really good. I appreciate that. So pay attention. Do something. It doesn't have to be earth-shattering. Do something. Somebody's struggling with their hose. Go over and help them. Help them roll their hose back up or put the ladder away or whatever it might be. You know what happens a lot on our block? We got little kids and they wipe out on their bike. I pay attention if I'm out there because if that little kid just fell, why don't I go over and help them because their parent may not be outside to see it happen. Pay attention, do something uh, to be a better neighbor. Uh, Here's my neighbor nap. Neighbor nap, I said it again. I like the idea of neighbor nap, but uh, (laughs) neighbor map. Uh, Here's mine. Last week it was blank. Uh, until last saturday and sunday and then uh, we got to fill in some of these and i just want you to notice at the bottom i have extra names from extra houses so i think i should get a raise or something because i'm totally <laughs> doing my job um, <laughs> although i don't know that one yet so um but i went around and met all these people so when i got to dean and carla's house they asked me in and i got to go in and sit at their kitchen table and visit for a little bit that was very cool uh, carla had just fallen and broken her wrist And Dean, in February, has to have knee replacement. I didn't know any of that. But because I was sitting at their kitchen table with some apple crisp, um, they started talking to me. Take something, just a heads up. Bake some cookies, banana bread, something. Take something. Because if somebody opens the door and is kind of like, why are you here but you have food, then they're like, oh, I will listen to you because you have food in there. (laughs) Okay? So take something, all right? Um, There are neighbors across the street. I knew they were there, but they're kind of those invisible neighbors. Because you see two cars, then the next time there's only one car, and then there's no cars, then there's two cars. You never see people, but the yard gets mowed, and you're like, I know people live there. I just I just never see them. And so I had tried to get to them several times. Finally, I saw that they were home. So I grabbed the next container of Apple crisp and went right over there. And I got to start talking to Marianne. We're talking on the front step for a little bit, and then she says, would you like to sit? They have a bench on their front porch. And I said, that'd be great. Now it's right at twilight. So already, I'm getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. But I have tried so hard to connect with Marianne. And when she said, do you want to sit? I thought, absolutely. And then the whole time in my head, I'm like, don't scratch. Don't react. It's another mosquito. (laughs) Just leave it alone. And I got to listen to her. She started sharing that she works from home. Um, They met each other just a few years ago at a karaoke bar. They got married at the karaoke bar. Talk about a fun wedding. It was so fun to hear. And then she says, and my husband is a paranormal investigator. And I said, I don't even know what that means. So so she started telling me about that. Um, I took each family a little card that had our address, like our return address label on it, our names. And then I put Cheryl and my cell phone number and my cover story. We've been doing a bunch of stuff on our house. So for the last three months, we've had trucks and trailers and all that kind of stuff on our little bitty street. So my cover story was, hey, really sorry about the last three months of traffic jams, but thank you and it's done and we're so excited and we'd love for you to come see it. And so I want you to have this card. It's got my number on it. So if it's on fire, if my brand new beautiful house is on fire, can you call me please (laughs) after you call 911? Um, (laughs) And then we have a couple families that have little kids. So I said, I'd love for you to have my cell phone number because if for some reason you need help, or you know the kids are getting home and your schedule doesn't work out at your home and you need for me to come, I can get here pretty quick. So if you'll call that number, I'll help in whatever way I can. So I'm trying to start this whole idea of uh, maybe someday they might be willing to share their number with me, which would be very cool. But I had to do that first, you know. And so, um, so we've added a bunch actually knowing someone's name could cause you to have affection for them right? So if I don't know their name, if I don't know anything about them, it's going to be very difficult for me to, I might say that I love them. It's going to be really actually hard for me to kind of prove that I love them. And so I need to learn their name. I need to learn something about them. So that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're about. Number two, change our mindset. Mindset is that blank. Change our mindset towards our neighbors and neighboring. So I've been thinking about these two words, respond and react. We can change how we respond, which means to answer in word or action, or react, which means to act in opposition to others without being heroic. So am I responding to my neighbors or am I reacting to my neighbors? So bad stuff happens sometimes in your neighborhood, right? You work really hard in your yard and then the neighbor's dog comes over, and messes up the yard right and you're watching from the window saying you don't have a bag or anything come on man that's not even my dog and i gotta go out and pick up poof now i don't want to do that right and you get kind of frustrated well i can react to that to where my defensiveness is raising and maybe i go out and have a conversation in a really loud sassy voice with my neighbor or i could respond and basically suck it up buttercup and go get my own bag and pick it up right So some of that um, we're going to have to think through because that's a changing of our mindset. Um, It's it's really important for us to recognize that this is utopia. Right now it's clean, it's fresh. Everybody on my map, in my mind, mows their grass when they're supposed to and doesn't start a really loud motorcycle on Saturday morning at 6 a.m., and takes their garbage in and out and doesn't leave their garbage cans out for a week. You know, everybody does what they're supposed to do, and then guess what happened? My name went in the middle, and I messed up the whole thing because I'm imperfect, and I'm messy, and I'm human. So every time we add somebody else, they are too, and we got to leave some room for that, all right? So this idea of changing our mindset, um, we've talked to a few people. You know, we had one lady who left church was pumped about being a good neighbor, had her map. She was like, I'm going to make this happen. This is going to be awesome. She went across the street and invited the person to dinner um, on neighboring night last Sunday night, having this great conversation. I'd like for you to come to my house for dinner. And the lady said, I uh, no." And she came back home like, well, doggone it. <laughs> I was all pumped about that. Uh, we were talking to another person. They're trying to get to know their neighbors. They have all these beautiful children. And they found out their neighbor is a sex offender. So now they're like, how do we be Jesus? How do we be kind? How do we love our neighbor and be really good parents? Because we've been entrusted with these kids to safeguard. That's real, isn't it? Utopia doesn't exist anymore, does it? But does God say uh, through Jesus in that scripture, uh, and love your neighbor as yourself as long as it works out and it's, it's convenient and they're the right kind of people and he doesn't put any of those Etc. is on there, does he? So it's really important that we change our mindset, but that we also we use our beautiful brains that God gave us to make sure we're doing the right thing. Then number three, create a neighboring movement. Let's surprise the world. Get buy-in from other believers. That's that blank there. Uh, a quote from the book says, we weren't concerned with getting people to connect with only those in their same church. Rather, we urged everyone to simply reach out and connect with kingdom-minded people Willing to partner in their neighborhood. So Pastor and Kim have Erlene. Maybe you have somebody from church. Maybe you don't in your neighborhood. But you might have somebody else who loves Jesus. Connect with that person and get this going together. Um, be, the last blank is be an upstander, not a bystander. Did you know uh, in June, on June twenty fourth, 1978, so that's within my lifetime. I'm 49 years old. This is my lifetime. It happened in Skokie, Illinois. That's my state. This is my lifetime, my state. In Skokie, Illinois, there are about 70,000 residents at the time. 40,000 of them were Jewish survivors of the Holocaust. On that date, a group of Nazis in Illinois rose up and said, we're going to reenact the Holocaust, essentially. We're going to take this community back. At that time, there was a group of people, all those Jewish people, plus their neighbors and friends, plus people from Chicago, plus people from throughout the United States who came to Skokie and said, we will not stand by and see this happen. This will never happen again. We are going to stand up for these people. And they squelched that thing. Finished it that day. If you go to Skokie, Illinois today, there is a Holocaust Survivor Museum there that talks about that day and talks about everything that happened throughout the Holocaust. What if we became upstanders instead of bystanders? What if we at our jobs didn't allow bad things to happen? What if we stood up and said, it's not going to happen. We're not going to talk to people that way. We're not going to cheat on that. We're not going to be dishonest. What if we did that in our own families? What if we said... Uh, We're not going to treat each other that way. We're not going to bully each other. We're not going to speak to each other that way. We're going to be upstanders, not bystanders. What if we did that in our neighborhood? What if we saw what was happening in people's lives and we stood up and said, how can I help? What could I do to relieve some of this pressure or to be part of the solution? Let's be upstanders, not bystanders.
0: Sometimes people say... Pastor, church was nice, and you know, I really don't want nice church. And I don't want us to be nice, but this is not about just having a nice service and then going our way. You know, God asks us to do something. What if what if what is He asking you to do? Where do you live? You live in a place where God planted you. You uh, you have a you have a house, you have an apartment, you have a place that God has given to you and there's some people around you and we're asking you to think about what action you need us to take to be an upstanding neighborhood movement. You know, we didn't invite any other churches to join us in this movement yet. We felt like before we talked to somebody else about it, maybe we ought to be doing it. (laughs) So uh, so we're trying. Uh, Me and Cheryl, our staff, Uh, Many people already doing that, Um, so we're asking you to do something. Be a neighbor. Help us start a neighboring movement of how God might use us in Pekin, in the community where you live, across Tazewell County, over in Peoria, wherever we are. Um, You you up to the task? You feeling called? Uh, I hope you feel a little um, chart of shame. Um, you know, some of you, the, most of the people that came to me were people that are already doing good. I didn't hear much from people that are doing nothing. Uh, so I'm poking you today. Come on, we're going to give you some additional thoughts and put kind of put this together over the next couple of weeks. But we have till October 21, which is our next neighboring night. So we gave you a target. What can you do? If you need one of these, you haven't got them, just call the office. We'll get these for you. If you want one of those, we want you to think about those neighbors that are around you. And let's start a neighboring movement. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for today. We pray that not one of us in this room would say, he wasn't talking to me. Lord, you're talking to all of us. And you've been talking to us for a long time wanting us to put this into practice, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to go and do likewise. Help us, Lord, to respond. Help us to take action. Help us to love our neighbors. Help us to go and do likewise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.